Oh, good afternoon to TikTok, good afternoon to Instagram, and good afternoon to Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn, and possibly Twitter as well. We are live streaming on all the different social media channels right now, hopefully. Um, we're just experimental on Instagram now, TikTok, and all the rest of it. Um, so, today's show is all about what will Risky Sunak uh, as PM mean for five house prices, and generally house prices overall. Um, I mean... Do we not often get asked this question about what's going to happen to five house prices, if not UK house prices as well? Every day. <laughs> every day. Every day. Uh, by the way, TikTok and uh, Instagram, you can't see these two yet uh, because we've got to wait on them to get to 1,000 followers on TikTok. Uh, Instagram as well. We're just experimental on that. Um, so hold tight. If you've got any questions, please feel free to ask everybody. Um, I mean many things affect house prices, five house prices, but it comes down to a simple supply and demand issue. Uh, on the supply side of the equation, and uh, in the short term, the number of people wanting to sell um, their property at any one point in time has a massive effect on house prices. Um, I mean, in 2009, uh, the number of properties that came onto the market in Fife jumped drastically, this was the credit crunch, in March 2009, it was 1,887 properties were available for sale in Fife. And by October the same year, that had actually risen to 2,846. That's a 1,000 properties almost added on in a few months. Now, that's totally different from what it is now, isn't it? Yeah. It's drastically different from what it is now, but I think that we're still seeing some kind of impact to the recent events, haven't we? So, yeah. you know four months ago we were sitting and there was anything between 450 to 500 properties on the market i checked with zoopla this morning we're at 960 so it has doubled almost yeah. so that's a big jump just in a couple of months isn't it so definitely there is more supply coming absolutely it's doubled but it's nowhere near what we're expecting isn't it yeah um you know um why would that be perry then you know what's what's you know what what about the flood of the five market and the houses and buying and all the rest of it? Well, I mean, explain a wee bit more detail about this. Well, I think that was the problem, wasn't it? I mean, the, the, the five market was flooded, as we've just demonstrated there. You know, to go from 1,800 up to nearly 3,000, that's a massive yeah. jump compared to 960 today. And we're saying that's double what it was three months ago. So, you know, that it does make a big difference. I think it's a mixture of things as well. You know, at the same time as that, properties coming to market, the banks have almost stopped lending is what people would like to report to you as well. And that's certainly what happened in the credit crunch, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And that does cause house prices to alter and perhaps go down a bit, doesn't it? Because mm -hmm. then suddenly those people who are wanting to get on that run can't. Um, so on the supply side of the equation, it's the total number of houses in the whole country, irrespective of whether they're on the market or not. Um, it's a central factor in the house prices, whether as I say, people are selling them or not, because even if people are stagnant in the property, it's going to make a big difference in regards to when they do come. Um, but it yeah. has a longer term effect as well, doesn't it? Longer term effect, I mean, government can't control the numbers on property. Um, they can control what they build, unfortunately. They don't necessarily build what we want them to, as we've previously spoken about in other shows. But planning regulations make a difference, don't they? Incentives for builders come into play as well, as far as the government is concerned. Um, buyer schemes come into play, they have to buy scheme comes into play. You know, there's all those different things that come into play, whether someone will sell or not, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the demand side of the equation, uh, property values typically rise if homeowners actually believe they'll be wealthier in the future. I, I think this has got a lot to do with it. I've got some statistics I'm going to talk about later on. But um, when, does the, when does this typically occur, Richard? 
Yeah, I mean, typically this occurs when the whole country's economy is performing well, uh, as more Brits are uh, in work and salaries are higher. Um, the opposite is also the case when the economy goes into recession. So, like, people obviously tighten their spending, maybe lose their jobs, and thus house prices then drop. Um, so, inflation will yeah. affect British yeah. house price budgets. Um, because if more of the household budget is going on increased bills, then there is less available for mortgage payments and things. And we'll start to see that kind of that playing out in, in this, the current, um, obviously, situation at the moment with the cost of living crisis and things as well. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah, um, listen, uh, just a quick one. Perry, um, I've got a question from Charlotte on Instagram. Uh, what's your advice on getting the best price when putting your house on the market? You know, what is your best advice on this right now? Right now, I think the best advice is to really do get the property sale ready is the, is the first point, isn't it? So you want to be able to have your property yeah. staged. We certainly see that that makes a big difference in regards to impact and people and the value that the property will go for. If there's snags with the property, you know, pay attention to those things, get them done, go around it as if it's not your home. Because let's be yeah. honest, Jim and Richard, you'll be the same on the letting side of things. Anytime we go to someone's property, they always think, oh, this needs done and that needs done. And sometimes it's not as bad as actually you think, and we can yeah. direct them on that. So I think getting a really good agent that can guide you through what your property Gobsmack. needs to be staged I'm like. A, yeah, I'm absolutely gobsmacked when I watch it, walk into some properties and you walk into the kitchen and you think, wow, the kitchen looks amazing. They go, oh, I'm not really, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about changing it. I went, yeah. well, you've only had it a couple of years, I take it. And they go, no, no, I've had it about 15 years. And I'm like, what? It looks brand new. And then I often go into other people's houses and it's like I walk in and I think, mm, maybe the kitchen's a bit tired. What do you mean? I've only put it in two years ago. depends <laughs> <laughs> how you look after it, isn't it? Um, but but we the great thing about having an estate agent come around for the first time and having that fresh pair of eyes on your property before you're actually, so a pre-sale qualification, you know, appraisal, yeah. um, is, is actually the estate agent sees it for the first time how a buyer would see it for the first time. I yeah. think that's essential, Charlotte. Um, the state agent sees it for the first time, the buyer sees it for the first time. Therefore, they don't see all the faults that the actual mm-hmm. seller sees because mm-hmm. they live with it every single day. And they've mounted it up over a period of time and gone, I have to get my kitchen changed. And then everything in their mind works towards having to get their kitchen changed. So mm-hmm. they start to see the things like, oh, the kicker board's a bit tired. Mm. Or the end, right? Or the or the the taping off the end of the bunker is actually worked up. Right? My bunker, the bunker. Bunker. The bunker. I, know, I have to stop myself <laughs> saying that. A lot as well. I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> the bunker is a, is from methyl. Um, yeah, that's I married a methyl lass, and when she said <laughs> when I walked into her house for the first time, and everybody said Dan Ben Scullery, and it's on the bunker, the bunker. and I'm like, what? <laughs> Am I in World War II or something? I've got to get into a bunker somewhere. <laughs> it's like, and, and literally, the work talk to many people. Yeah, the work talk. It's I think, work. It, yeah, I think what you say is accurate and it really goes back to what I was saying there as well and the fact that the pre-sale piece is really vital and, if, and you can go into properties the, your agent is not living in that property all the time. They won't necessarily see the things that yeah. you're seeing. But actually, it's also a great opportunity for an agent to see something that you're not seeing because you can also yeah. become over familiar with your house. We had a brilliant um, example of that not that long ago in a property that we sold in one day from our social media channels. And I went around there. Um, I think, Jim, actually, it was when you were away. Um, and I went around and I was chatting to the client and the, there were certain things about it. She said, oh, well, we're going to do this and we're going to put new doors here and we're going to do that and, or we were just going to leave it as was. And, I said, well, no, don't do that. You know, take that down. 
put yeah. a stable door on. They put a stable door on, so rather than having a full door closed, it's half open, half shut. All those little things that your agent will come and say, I know that's going to be a wow factor for potential buyers because as yeah, soon as they walk in. Well, I walked, in, I walked into that and the stable door was a fantastic idea downstairs in the laundry. That was a I really so. good idea. Yeah, <laughs> um, and chat, they actually gave me credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> that was my idea. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm like, I don't remember saying that. This person <laughs> didn't, I did. So we're here, well done. Everybody <laughs> on TikTok and Instagram, hopefully you can hear what Perry and Richard are saying. Uh, give me a big thumbs up or just make a wee comment in the remarks to tell me you can hear what they're saying as well. Uh, just so I know we're coming through loud and clear on these channels as well. Uh, it's important that you actually get feedback from the rest of the team as well as myself. Um, and you're right. I mean, another factor is demand side for the housing when the population actually increases and people living longer, increasing that net and, and increasing net migration as well. I mean, classic example right now is the, the demand side is net migration is around about 20,000 people a year in Scotland. So there's 20,000 more people a year in Scotland migrating into Scotland than there is actually leaving Scotland. Now we can get political about this and all the rest of it, but I'll be honest. We need these people to work to provide taxation for long-term care yeah. for all the people that aren't working anymore. We are a declining population and you need people to work in order to look mm -hmm. after the elderly in order to subsidise that taxation system. If you want to run your own country, you need revenue coming in. Definitely. Uh, also, when people actually live a lot longer, we're supposed to be building 25,000 houses or more in Scotland alone to keep up with the demand of the ageing population and net migration. As a result, if the, if the average age moves up, I think it was from something like 65 to 81 now, mm -hmm. um, if you move to 82, you need another 25,000 houses because that's another year. Yeah. And if you're not then we, we definitely need that. And there's always a rise in demand, typically. And, and as well, it also means rising house prices. Yeah. Yeah. It does make a difference. And I think the aging population is a big thing as well. When we see, we see a mixture of how that's impacting the property market, don't we, Jim? Because we had a situation recently where, again, on the back of lockdown and, you know, fathers or mothers are maybe living independently, no longer able to do that. Their lifestyle yeah. requirements require something else. So what we're finding, we've got some clients who are maybe selling two houses and buying one bigger house for everyone to move into, which, again, does create a bit of a, a flow of property coming through, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Can I just have a wee comment for uh, Gucci Soldier on uh, TikTok? Uh, yes, we do have set times in the week we come on. The Wealth Creation Show we do is on at 12.30 on a Monday. Uh, the Saturday morning show uh, we do is on at 9.30 on a Saturday. <laughs> No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> it's a Saturday, <laughs> Saturday morning show. <laughs> it's like, that's what it says in the tin. And and the midweek show generally is we'll try and go at one o'clock every Wednesday on the midweek show, and 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 then we'll do it like that. So we'll we'll try and get that done. The weekly update we do as well on the five property market itself is done at seven o'clock on a Sunday night. Um, so that tends to be all the live shows that we do. In between, we'll do now and again. But if you follow the page, as soon as we go live, you typically get a notification. Uh, we'll pre-program shows as well. Unfortunately, TikTok it doesn't do pre-programmed as well, as well now. But as long as you follow these pages, you'll get fine. If you get a chance, please share these pages. It's important that everybody is kept informed about what's going on in the property market because we talk about the five property market because we're called five properties but generally you could look at the whole of the uk market in these articles as well in order to ascertain where we are right now in terms of the whole 
UK economy and actually property market itself. So they're all good indicators and information that we need in order to do that. Um, one aspect of the demand side of housing, government can control, is the taxation of moving home. Mm-hmm. In late spring 2020, uh, the government vastly reduced the tax. Uh, that's the land and the transaction tax. Yeah. It paid to buy a house. So many home buyers uh, saved thousands of pounds, and they've actually done that recently. The, the English government's done that as well. Also, the demand side, property values increase, usually increase, and more home buyers can borrow more money with a mortgage to buy their home. So the more banks and building societies can offer mortgages, the more home buyers can be in their be, the more home put my teeth back in, the more <laughs> home buyers can buy their future home, thus raising house prices again. Now, the update to the exercise isn't really to raise house prices, it's to keep a stability in the market. And it's also to make sure there's a there's a good flow of houses going through the whole system and it and it's stable. I mean, we love a stable market. The market is based really not primarily on property prices. It's actually the number of sales transactions coming through in a year. And um, so as the borrowing side, um, you know, what is the constraint on the amount a home buyer can actually borrow on a mortgage, Perry? Well, some that really depends on the individual, isn't it? But there's generally three, three elements to it. I mean, someone can borrow depends on what they earn, for instance, yeah. um, if they can afford the monthly mortgage repayments. Um, the level of that mortgage repayment is dependent on three things, as I say, and that's how much you're borrowing. Obviously, it yeah. can't be in the ending pot. You have to demonstrate some kind of affordability. Um, the interest rate that they're being charged, obviously, there's a lot of that in the press at the moment, isn't there, in regards to interest rates doubling, et cetera. But mm-hmm. people still seem to be forgetting they're still half of what they were previously. So, you know, there's a long way to go there, but there is a, an impact on that. Um, and also the length of time of their mortgage as well, isn't it? So they're yeah. kind of really your main three factors that come into play. Lower the interest rates are, lower the cost of borrowing to pay that money back is, um, mm. Thus, more people can afford to borrow money um, with a mortgage to buy a house, and that allows them. Then the property market trend is that values will go up because there's more transaction, as you say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to talk about key statistics at the end. I actually wrote them down here. This was an article I wrote for the Courier. Don't tell them. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you what I wrote before they've actually released it. So they might know. They might not publish it, but if they know, I told you. Um, um, which is typically what they do because then we've obviously stolen their thunder. Um, the lower the interest rates, yep, the lower the cost of borrowing to pay your house, and thus people can afford to borrow more and the mortgage and to buy your homes. I mean, did you know Did you know this is a huge statistic? Five house prices have actually risen by 57% almost between 2010 and today, mainly fueled by low interest rates overall. So looking at everything above, apart from the LBT or the stamp duty or whatever you call it, and incentives for buyers, um, which historically have made minimal difference. I mean, they see the incentive for buyers that we're getting, um, like the um, uh, first home scheme, um, and also the, I think there's another one. There's something, I can't remember what it was. But I mean, they've had minimal difference on the housing market itself, but it still has allowed people to get on the housing market for the first time. Uh, the government in the short term, respect of who's prime minister, it makes little difference directly to house prices itself. It makes no difference, to be honest. Mm. Very little. It has no impact. This is why I keep saying for people to buy to let. When you have buy to let properties, I couldn't care less who's in parliament or who's in yeah. power. It will it make no difference because people need a home to live in, and they need to. They need. They need. You know. They need a home, and some people can't afford to buy a home not because we own it, 
And because there's a restriction in supply, it's just because they're maybe their credit rating or they don't earn enough or anything like that could cause these issues for them personally. Therefore, they have to rent as a result. And because 70% of the UK housing stock was actually sold off in the 1980s in terms of council housing, there is nothing for them to go to except for the private landlord market. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. could you argue, Richard, that the private landlord shouldn't private landlords shouldn't exist and therefore uh, social housing should actually own all that? But what's the chances of actually building all these to replace them in that period of time? There's just two say- million properties in the UK actually for private rent right now. What's the chances of the government being able to replace two million properties within a short piece of space of time? Yeah, that's never going to happen because obviously, like you say, they're never going to meet that uh, level of housing. So it's important that obviously the private sector and and landlords and investors are in place. And like you say, Jim, the actual person who is Prime Minister is kind of irrelevant. They do have an influence on their decisions that they make with regards to tax and things as well. But really, it's driven primarily by interest rates. Mm. Um, And that's what uh, I see a lot of landlords and investors feeling the pinch with at the moment because interest rates are having an effect on them and then they can't obviously alter their rents because of the rent freeze and that's a whole other show but i'm doing that tomorrow so you could tune in tomorrow and and discuss that but um yeah. what are you tomorrow are you talking about the rent freeze and, and moratorium on evictions we're talking about the new emergency legislation obviously the rent freeze the moratorium on evictions and things that was brought into yeah. force so Karen uh, and i will be doing that tomorrow 3 30 i think tomorrow 3 tomorrow yep good Okay, great stuff. Um, so, Bank England, you know, does, does the Bank England affect us at all, Perry? Um, I think the Bank of England it doesn't really affect us. Well, maybe it does indirectly, actually, if we go by Liz Trust and Quasi Quarting and what they did um, with their little mini budget catastrophe. That certainly had a bit of an impact, didn't it? And that was only a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and that did mean that the government could, could and cannot directly make any difference to house prices it just really depends on if people are affected by the mortgage rates isn't it and that's what we noticed was happening there when those yeah. mortgage packages were withdrawn from the market then instantly there was a kind of freeze and we did see a bit of an impact with that you know we had a couple of properties where people were suddenly then in a panic thinking how am i going to get my mortgage because their mortgage was withdrawn from the marketplace um, but it's making sure you have someone in place that can help you with that isn't it um, yeah. But since December of 2021, the Bank of England, Bank of England has been slowly raising interest rates, and we've all been seeing that. Um, and they're doing that to try and combat this inflation that was going to go into double figures six months ago and actually only has just happened. So that was a bit of an interesting one. But unfortunately, the downside is that it does increase the mortgage rates for home buyers. Um, what they pay then on a variable rate is going to impact them if they've not got something that's already fixed. So mm-hmm. coming off a fixed rate deal, um, they really need to be thinking about securing that to secure their futures, isn't it? And one of the things that we've spoken about recently, Gemma, as well, is that anyone who's maybe looking to renew in their next 12 months should maybe think about doing so now. Absolutely. Um, if you're looking to renew in the six, six months, we, we're actually going to talk about this in, 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 a, in a show next week. We're going to talk about you should be buying now. If you, you should not be holding off. It'll cost you a fortune to hold off if you're holding off till a year's time. Even if the property market goes down by 8 or 10%, it will still cost you a lot more money if you hold off buying a house. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that next week and the reasons why around about that. As of now, as 17 out of 20 home buyers have a fixed rate mortgage, this is 17 out of 20, when the bank or building site calculates a 5 or 10 year fixed rate deal, they consider what the Bank of England interest rate is today, but they also consider something equally important, something called a swap rate. 
So, as five homeowners and landlords, it's vital you should be aware of what the swap rates are, as they are based on what the global money markets think in future UK interest rates will actually be. This is risk and reward. This is supply and demand. Yeah. This is what, you know, as me as an investor, say I was coming along with you, Richard, and you were UK PLC, obviously yeah. you would say to me, can you give me some money so I can lend it to other people? And I would say to you straight away, well, what's the chances of you actually defaulting on this loan? If the chances are actually quite minimal, I'm more than likely to give you a preferential interest rate to rent lend well, on. If, if, if the chances are actually a lot higher, I'm more likely to give you a higher interest rate. In that swap rate, which yeah. I'd offer you. So this is what so this is how swap rates work. Um, mortgage lenders will increase their rates on the mortgages they offer, and by doing so, as discussed um, in previous articles, um, increased mortgage rates will affect affordability and thus actually house prices. So, yeah. what affects UK swap rates? Mainly one thing: the price of the government debt in the form of <laughs> guilt yields. Guilt yields. Tell you what, we're going back to school this afternoon, eh? <laughs> That's like, hey, <laughs> I was. I think it's absolutely brilliant because every time I do these shows, it get, it further further reinforces my education level in terms of what I now know and the knowledge that I build as an understanding. I actually yeah. watched Steve Bartlett and uh, James Smith actually talk about it this morning on a Diary of a CEO when they were talking about that and they were talking about confidence and building confidence. And actually, Steve Bartlett said um, it's actually really good because. Um, when I'm sitting here talking to people like yourself, James, I'm actually increasing my knowledge and my experience, and I'm actually getting more benefit to my knowledge in order to help me increase my overall understanding of what to do and how to do it. Yes. Um, and, and that's where it is. Uh, this is actually quite an interesting one. Uh, when we talk about swap rates, we'll talk about guilt rates and swap rates in a minute. Um, but um, Paul actually says, well, the market crashed. With it. Right, okay, let's, let's, uh, let's deal with the elephant in the room. Uh, will the market <laughs> crash? With the rise of everything, a lot of people on variable rate now can't afford it. Uh, big reshuffle coming. Um, now, we've just pointed out to you, Paul, that what it's 17 out of 20 home buyers have a fixed rate mortgage. Um, so it's it could be very unlikely that that actual crash will actually come because in the credit crunch, drum roll, um, that actually was uh, one in 10 had a fixed rate mortgage. So it was actually less people had a fixed rate mortgage at the credit crunch than they actually do now. 17 and 20 have a fixed rate mortgage, and it was only 1 in 10 at the credit crunch. So it's a huge difference in the number of people. So therefore, they are hedged against that and the impact of rising interest rates. They don't need to worry that much. But if your interest, if your fixed rate interest is a mortgage is actually due for renewal, like you'd said, Perry, then actually maybe talk to your bank right now to see if they'll give you a preferential rate right now and lock it right now before interest rates go up again. And maybe consider, if it's a small penalty, maybe consider the, the trade-off about actually getting a five-year fixed rate deal now, then actually the small penalty you'll pay for getting that, then actually maybe in a year's time, this is next week's show, by the way. <laughs> and, <laughs> so I'm going to leave it at next week's show, so watch out for that. Midweek show, one o'clock next week. Um, so maybe actually next year, if interest rates are maybe 2 or 3% higher, and you, you, you fix a rate at five-year at 2 or 3% interest rates higher, that might actually be less beneficial to you next year. It might cost you a hell of a lot more money over five years than the five-year deal you get right now. So that's why it's important if you're going to buy something now, go for it now because potentially the trade-off is by the time you buy it next year, if it has dropped a wee bit, you might actually be paying an astronomical amount in terms of your fixed rate fixed for five years, which actually compounds as a higher value in terms of what you've actually taken the hit right now for in buying your property today 
as opposed to a year's time where it maybe changes by 5%. Yeah, 5% is not much in the scope of things, but five years, an extra 2% over 10 years, over over five years, 2% every year extra is 10%. 10%. See that? See how that works? People actually don't think about that logic about how that works. Anyway, let's get back to guilt. Perry, one thing, there's the government debt in the form of guilt yield. So what is this all about? So given the vast increase of planned government debt originally announced in the mini-budget by Trust and Quarteng, which... Obviously, everyone has a feeling on that. The money markets who would be lending the government the billions of pounds to fund those tax cuts got worried, um, and the government yeah. wouldn't be able. That the government could pay it back. Basically, that's what they were worried about. Um, and there was such a rise in the government's debt and the the amount of borrowings that they had. So they wanted a higher rate of return on the money that they were lending to the government. So basically, mm-hmm. they gave more, but they wanted more back for it. That return yeah. that return is measured in guilt yield rate, yeah. and that's what we mean by guilt. Um, and the guilt yield rate directly drives the swap rate. So they come hand in hand, don't they? So that rise in the guilt yield rate, swap rate, was the main reason mortgage rates rocketed after the mini budget and helped in the collapse of Liz Truss as Prime, as Prime Ministers. Mm-hmm. You know, is that basically what happened? So what can five homeowners or homeowners in general expect in the coming weeks and months with the guilt swap rates, Richard? Well, I mean, Rishi's first job was to try and re-establish confidence in the money markets for the UK PLC, like we spoke about, Jim. So during yeah. the summer, the five-year guilt rate rose steadily from 1.6% up to 3.5%, in yeah. line with the general rise for the Bank of England base rates. Yeah. Yet the mini-budget was delivered on the 23rd of September, and that rose almost straight away to 4.6%, which mm-hmm. is quite a big jump. Um, yeah. So that meant every mortgage rate jumped and in price by 1% to 1.5%, basically overnight. Almost overnight, yeah, absolutely. So at the time of actually doing this article, um, the five-year British guilt rate uh, yield has actually dropped to 3.5%. See how that happened? Hey, we never heard that in the news, did we? <laughs> no. Because no. that's, that's good news. Not like what the British bullshit corporations want to, want to, want to put out, the BBC. Or the CNN, the constant negative news platform, you know, that's that they don't, they're not interested in good news. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where they get the facts. This is what's important. This is what boots on the ground is. This is where it all is. You don't listen to the news because the news just wants to tell you something to get you to panic. So to sell more news. Did you see this morning how they were having a go at this guy that's actually resigned? And it's like, okay, he's resigned. Big deal. Stop bombarding the government with so much rubbish and diverting them for what they should be doing is getting us back on track. That is not a helpful uh, experience for the media to constantly do that and constantly try to knock at the government. Regardless of what you vote for, it's not right to do that. Anyway, that's my wee political statement over there. (laughs) In other words, um, so at the time of writing, the five-year British guilt rate was actually dropped to 3.5%, and others have actually either dropped below their pre-mini-budget rate or we're moving in that direction, depending on the guilt type that they actually had. Now, the guilt rate, uh, which directly affects the swap rate, which in turn, let me think about this, it directly affects the mortgage rate, uh, I'll get this right, the mortgage interest rates, yep, it could drop further. Um, subject to what Rishi Sunak and the Chancellor Jeremy Hunt have actually got planned for the budget um, or, and the supplementary report of the Office of Budget Responsibility on the 17th of November this year. You know, in a week's time, this is going to die. I've got it in my diary. 
It's like I'm I'm one of these tragic people that sit and watch the budget from start to finish. Uh, I just want to know what's going on, what the facts are, so I know how it will affect me. And if there's anything, the, the important thing here is accept the things you can't change, but change the things you can change. So mm. change what you can, accept what you can. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's it. One in four, one in, it's something like you can only change probably one in three things that actually happen. The three things out of the four that actually happen, you'll you'll not be able to do anything about. So just accept that you're only going to be able to change about 25% of anything that actually does happen to you. This is quite an actually an interesting statement out of uh, Jeanette. First time buyers seem to be waiting to buy and they're renting rather than buying. Uh, Jeanette, you've hit the nail on the head. Do you know a first time buyer, it'll actually cost them more money to wait on the price going down. Again, we're jumping into next week's show and actually renting and waiting and hope for the price going down. Because the reality is the price that goes down compared to the interest rate they get on their deal at that time next year when interest rates have gone up combined with the rent that they've actually paid, it's, to me, it's no money down the drain, by the way. But to a lot of people, money in the fire. That's how they look at it. I don't know why, because it gives you flexibility of tenure. And you can walk away anytime you want. You've got no firm commitment if you're renting. Um, and, and then somebody else does all the repairs, which is absolutely fantastic as well. Um, but absolutely, first-time buyers should not be waiting for that reason. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, give me two seconds. Uh, talk amongst yourself. <laughs> I think that that that's Jeanette does make a valid point though and we definitely see that and I know that we're dipping into oh, next yeah. week's topic a little bit but you know when you think about what people will spend on rent what they will not be able to then save versus even if the property price does go down by 10% 5% between four and eight we actually predict but yeah it's all relevant isn't it it's still going to cost you more money at the end of the day yeah. because what it goes down by then or if it increases which no one really knows what's going to happen they're having to find more of a deposit potentially because the mortgage deals are different they're spending a whole year's worth of rent payments so again that's a loss to yourself isn't it so it's all those things that are costing extra to maybe mm-hmm. gain a few thousand at the other end it's, it's not going to work out financially I, th- I think that's i think that's the the thing that we are not taught at school it is the opportunity cost and the opportunity loss of not yeah. of making the decision next year and how much that will cost you to do that against making the decision now and how much it will cost you to do overall. It's something I was taught in accountancy. It's the opportunity cost. And it is actually saying, okay, if I bought right now this property, uh, how much would it cost me to buy? What would be the implications of that? And 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 also, more importantly, what would I save by buying now as well as part of that deal? In other words, if it costs me £10,000 to buy, but I'm actually saving £8,000 in rent net for next year, then overall it's only cost me £2,000 to buy right now. Mm-hmm. If I bought next year, you know, and the price went down, but I'd actually spent £8,000 in rent, and I bought at that time, and it maybe cost me 4000 to buy, because the price had gone down now in comparison to what it was this year, and, but it cost me £8,000 rent to buy it, then it would have cost me £12,000 next year to buy. Mm-hmm. That's how you work it out. And if you understand the dynamics of opportunity cost and opportunity loss and how that actually works, you could get this right every single time to make the right decision at that point in time for you, whether you should buy right now or not. But I'll guarantee you, most people should buy right now for that very reason. Because even Lloyd's, with the worst prediction ever, 
they're saying that property prices are going to drop by 8% next year and then stagnate for about three or four years after. And now, even if that happened, you're better actually buying now. Because guess what could happen? What's the, what's the other scenario? We have a boom next year because they didn't get it right. Now, does that, does that hark back to the pandemic? Yeah. <laughs> property prices are going to crash by 50%. Everybody running about like Henny Penny with their hands in the air. And I went on straight away and I went, I've got no firm evidence to suggest that's going to happen. And everybody went, you're talking rubbish. And I'm like, you show me the evidence that tells me this market's going to crash. And I, I, I can't see it at all. And I think I was the only person at that time actually singing that song. And look what happened. We had yeah. a huge, I never expected it to be this tour of boom. <laughs> I just thought we actually, I just thought I obviously be quite, oh, quite stable. And it was like, boom. But then when you look at the multipliers and you look at the, the average salary to the average price of a property, um, the multiplier, which is a good indicator, um, was actually about 5.5. And it still is now, right now in Fife. And in Scotland, the multiplier, the average salary to the average price of a property is round about six. And in the whole of the UK, it's round about nine. Now, I'll, I'll be honest, at, at the credit crunch, it was up about 10 or 11. So when you look at Fife, it's extremely affordable in comparison to where it was before. For So how a market crash would happen is, is beyond me. There's other statistics I'm going to talk about in a minute. So let's get back to guilt rates. A drop in the guilt swap is vital um, if for any five home buyer or any buyer for a house or a five homeowner for remortgaging to a new deal. And But why is that? Because with the average five home, now with the average five home at this point in time, um, according to Zoopla, it's 211,000. Now, according to the land registry, it's about 168,000 to 170,000. But Zoopla is what's been sold on their website. That's the average price for them. But the land registry is actually everything overall has been sold in transactions. So the land registry is more accurate. But we take Zoopla statistics because they're, they're more of what's happening in the current market, what's buying and selling um, on their website. Um, so a rise of 2.85% over the past year in the five average home, um, each 1% extra in the mortgage rate would cost a five homeowner an additional £176 a month. So it's another. So, yeah. what does all that mean for five house prices then, Perry? Um, I think what it means is greater certainty will keep the volume of housing transactions ticking over. Um, you know, if, if someone knows that they've got a fixed deal and they've got it on for a, long, a lengthy period of time, then mm. that's a strong position to be in. So that will keep things steady. Um, but it's not as inescapable, is it, that it will potentially impact the house pricing? But as you said earlier, Jim, we don't know if that's going to keep things. They say stagnant, we say steady. It depends what words you want to use, doesn't it? But I mean, if it stays steady, then actually it's better to do it now, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, stagnant and stagflation is a completely different kettle of fish. Um, mm -hmm. You know, stagflation is what you don't want in an economy. Um, mm -hmm. You don't want negative inflation either because it's not healthy for your economy. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, economy, even though you even though you think, oh, prices are actually coming down, but if prices are actually coming down, that means they'll have to make savings somewhere. Um, therefore, the, generally, the first thing to go for in manufacturing is, is labour costs. Mm. Um, so it means actually people will get less money in their pocket or they'll actually make people redundant, and they don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, I'll talk about that in a minute. So you're saying it's great certainty for house prices and the volume of ticking over um, and the five property market. And uh, we believe, I mean, I believe generally that five house prices will be lower in 12 months' time. What, what about yourselves? 
Yeah, I believe they will level out and we've started to see that already and I do believe that over the course of the next month, uh, 12 months, that, that will happen. Yeah. And probably five house prices to return where they are in the late spring, early summer of 2021. I think that's where they will be as well. So another yeah, one, we we'll just move back to where we were in spring, yeah. uh, spring summer of 2021. Absolutely. And, and it, shouldn't, it shouldn't really impact that many people, though. Let's be honest. Anybody that's bought yeah. in the last 12 months, the chances of them selling in the first 12 months are mm -hmm. rare, aren't they? So, you know, generally the average person owns a house for seven years. So unless you really are planning to move quicker and you bought last year and you're having to move within a 12-month to two-year period, it's really not going to impact people. No. It's what we feel. Well, certainly it's what I feel. I don't think I can't see it doing so. Mm. And even if that drop does happen at four percent, which is what we are kind of saying, versus Lloyd's at eight, four percent drop. Well, it was a ten percent increase last year. So actually, it's still a win-win for people, isn't it? I got that in the last six months, the four percent increase, by the way, because property prices in Fife, according to the Land Registry, went up eight percent in the last exactly. year until now. So in the last six months, you got the four percent anyway. It's going to drop next year. So, exactly. so buying now won't make a difference overall anyway. And and if you're holding it for the long term, it's a classic example. I mean, I bought my house for 260000 spent 100000 on it. That was 18 years ago. And therefore, immediately the credit crunch hit and it dropped by 60000 overnight. And it was only worth 300000 after I'd invested 360000 in it. But I'm still here after 18 years. <laughs> and it's recovered to way beyond about 450000 So it, it's all relative. Mm -hmm. I'm not actually made that gain, really, because you only make that gain if you actually realise it. But if you're moving from one house to the other, unless you're downsizing, that's the only way you're actually going to benefit from it, um, and because you're actually selling a, a, a higher value house for a lower value house. But but if yours dropped by eight percent, then the the property you're buying is going to be eight percent as well. So by getting on the housing market, you're actually securing in the fact that you're there and you're on the housing market. You've actually got collateral which will actually keep you stable. And actually, let's be honest, it'll keep you in the game. Exactly. It's, it's a cyclical thing, thing, isn't it? You're not in the game. Mm -hmm. Completely agree. I mean, it's cyclical, isn't it? And you've got to be in it to be part of it. And what affects you affects the next thing, affects the next thing, but all at the same degree. Yeah. So... If we're going to turn back to the spring of 2021, and we've talked about and why is that? Well, unlike the credit crunch, house price crash today, the country has very low levels of unemployment. This is what I'm going to cover right now. So this is yeah. some of the things that I've actually known. This is the fact, people. This is the fact. Base your decisions on facts. Yes, house five, five house prices will be lower, and all house prices will be lower in the next 24 months, more than likely. The doom mongers are saying it will crash, the crash of 1988, and like the crash of 1988 in 2008. Um, I'm going to disagree with this completely. And let me explain the difference compared to the previous house price crashes. Significantly more people don't have a mortgage. 56% of people actually don't have a mortgage and are shielded against interest rate rises. Today, 17 out of 20 homeowners are on capital repayment mortgages, meaning they have more equity than ever before. So negative equity will no longer be an issue for these people as before. That's what brought things to a standstill in the credit crunch. Mm -hmm. We are still extremely low interest rates in comparison to the other periods with 17 out of 20 homeowners on long-term fixed rate deals averaging, drum roll, 2.14%. 17 out of 20 
are on an average of seven of 2.14% fixed rate long range mortgages. Home buyers have been stress tested between six and 7% mortgage rate rises since 2014. We're not, we're only just approaching that the now. And they've been all stress tested all that point anyway, since 2014. So this shouldn't affect anybody in that situation. Plus the fact since 2014, they've all had rises in wages of some shape and form. Mm-hmm. Since that stress yeah. testing, which will mean we'll not see significant amount of houses actually being dumped onto the market like they did in these 1988 and in 2008. Did you know that there's over 5,000 mortgage products still available starting at 2.95%? So the availability of credit is still there. One in five people actually rent and interest rate rises won't affect them. That's about 20% of the population. Yeah, and interest rate rises won't affect them at all. And with the rent freeze in Scotland until March 2023, they're protected against anything like that. The UK unemployment rate is still at a record low of 3.5%, meaning more people are working and earning than ever before. So economic conditions surrounding the previous house price crashes are not there at all now. Yes, inflation is extremely high, but I believe that subject to nothing seismic happening in the world, five property values will be broadly neutral and solely drift towards downwards over the next 24 months, which will equate to around about a 4 to 6% less in a couple of years' time, literally back to the summer of 2021 prices. Where's the problem? Yeah, I was just going to say, which is still a good position to be in. We should not be panicking at all. The UK prices and the UK economy in terms of the housing market is extremely stable. And we've protected ourselves and hedged ourselves against all these volatile problems that could have happened in the 2008 and the 1988 crashes of the housing market. They're no longer there. There's no evidence to suggest that. So we should not be worried about where we are right now. It's just the doom mongers that seem to be peddling the story in order to get news overall to keep fueling that market. Let's wrap up there. Okay, Richard, what's your overall views of this? I think, like you say, Jim, there's there's so much uncertainty that mixes around people and and is, is spoken about in media and between certain like obviously groups and things. But I think it's so important just to stick to the facts, listen to the facts and people that actually use the facts to project mm. what's going to actually happen. Um, and you'll see that the, the bigger picture isn't as bleak as, it, as it's been made out to be. Um, I think obviously there's a lot of mitigating factors like um, interest rates and inflation and things, which we spoke about in a lot of previous shows. But I think it's really important to stick to the facts and listen to the right people and not be drawn in by the media and, and the scaremongering uh, about the, our current position because it's not as bad as, as everybody sometimes makes out. What about yourself, Perry, and, and why, you know, why is it? For me, it's a very similar picture, actually, to what Richard has just said. I think that unlike every other homeowner who's sitting in their house in the mornings and Sky News or BBC News, whatever channel you're watching, come on and you see the big strap lines, um, it doesn't tend to worry me um, so much. Yes, I pay attention to it. Yes, I, int- I listen to it but it's not my one source of information. So I think it's about equipping yourself with information and facts. It's about speaking Mm. to the right people. It's about getting good advice. It's about staying calm and not panicking. 
not necessarily always seen in headlines. We've just shown about four things in this discussion about where something has improved since the strapline headline, but we don't get that promoted. So it's about equipping yourself with the good information, seeking a professional's opinion, um, making good judgment decisions for yourself and just putting yourself in the strongest position you could be. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to finish off by saying everybody, if you're watching this or you're watching a rerun or anything like that, please share this to other people. Please tag other people on this as well. We need to get this evidence out. It's clearly the evidence that's required for the state of the UK housing market overall. And the fact that it is nothing like 2008 and 1988 house price crashes. And because of these certain headlines in terms of UK unemployment levels, in terms of the interest rate levels, in terms of the number of people in fixed rates, in terms of the number of people that are stress tested, in terms of the number of people that are actually employed overall, in terms of salaries, did you know that the last 20 years salaries have actually doubled as well? So, you know, it's, it's a completely different economic situation. We have never had an economic position like this before. We have had record employment levels and we've had record low interest rates. Sure, low, record low interest rates are not here to, they're not here to stay. And um, we will probably equalize next year around about the six or 7% uh, interest rates. Uh, and that's why you're getting really good deals right now. Take advantage of them now. That's why if you're buying a house now, you've got to weigh that up over the extra you're going to have to pay next year. That's overall, and keep yourself informed of the facts and don't listen to, to take the, what you see on the news with a pinch of salt. That's all I can say. Um, it is not the real story you're getting peddled. You're only getting peddled one side of the story in order to justify their position. If you've got something in your mind that you believe will happen, this is very true, you'll look for everything to support that opinion that you have. And that's why two people walk in at the same time and they have very different views on the market and they both provide very different uh, evidence to suggest that their view is absolutely right. They're actually both entirely right. But there's only one outcome that can happen when it happens later on. And until next week for the next week's uh, uh, show, Richard, just give a shout out to your show tomorrow. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, we're doing um, the cost of living, the new emergency legislation that's been rolled out for lettings with the rent freezes and yeah. the moratorium on evictions. That's tomorrow at 3.30. Perfect. Okay. And that's us. Thank you very much, guys, for watching. And anybody else wants to ask any questions later on, please feel free to put it in the comments. Bye-bye for now. Thanks, guys. Bye. Okay, guys. Bye-bye.